the United States of America, home of the brave. A place that is filled with different cultures, diversity, beautiful scenery, a place I call home. But one thing many people may not know about the USA is that artisans, craftsmen, and women, photographers, musicians, creatives, makers of all sorts that come with this beautiful country. Many people tend to buy products from major online retailers that they forget about the make that is happening right here in America. From the Industrial Revolution and even prior to that time period, America has continued to build its economy through makers, and there are thousands of them. America has makers that forge steel to make knives and axes, sew skirts, hats, and handbags with materials of all sorts, paint and capture visuals that are forever in your home and carried in your heart, share stories through music and writings, make special treats and refreshing beverages, and much more. Join me through the journey through the lives of makers across our country to hear how they get down with their craft. I'm Kristen Vermeule, and this is Makers of the USA. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Makers of the USA main series. The next maker on this series is an amazing fashion designer who brings the rock star out of you. Meet Nicole. Yes, the G is silent when you see her brand name. She combines timeless designs and reclaimed leather and creates a sense of fearless expression in her handmade artwear. Nicole's artwear is one-of-a-kind wearable art fashion. Two core ethics in Nicole's work is creating rockstar garments with repurposed materials. Offcuts and imperfect leather hides are her favorite sources of inspiration. From these scraps come the striking compositions that define Nicole's current collection of leather outerwear. Ranging from lightly embellished with functional hardware to elaborately adorned with high densities of studs and spikes, each piece is a work of art. When I discovered Nicole at the Maine Craft Association Stitch event, I was blown away. Who knew a woman here in Maine was making boost and jackets that you'd most likely see in LA or New York City. Now, hi everyone. Welcome to the Makers of the USA podcast. This is a part of the main series. I am so honored to get to talk to Nicole today. Nicole and I met at the Stitch event that the Maine Craft Association put together, I believe a couple months ago. Was it in the summertime? Yeah, it was back in June. Yeah, back in June. And we've like, just continue to connect. I've seen her at more events and I'm like, I have to interview you. So I am very happy to be here with you today, Nicole. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for interviewing me. Yeah. So the first question I typically start off with is what is your craft and what inspired you to start it? Mm. So my craft, I define myself or call myself a artwear designer, um, a leather artwear designer. So that means that I make one-of-a-kind pieces of art fashion using recycled leather. And how I got into that is a long, funny story, but it's really came down to my friend asking me in his driveway if I wanted to sew leather jackets together. And my experience sewing before that was minimal. I had uh, a sewing machine my mom got me from Walmart and knew how to do some really basic straight stitches on jeans and didn't repair things. Um, But I'd always had an interest in sewing And so I said yes, and uh, three years later, here I am uh, (laughs) making making jackets and vests and bustiers, one of a kind pieces. uh. Yeah, and that's how it got started. So your friend is really what brought your passion to life. Really, I mean, did you ever think you would play around with leather with your hands, like as a part time gig of yours? Yes and no. 
back when I was in college in North Carolina, I met a friend from New Jersey who was actually here with me in Maine. Uh, we're roommates once again, and we joked around about being leather artists that we would learn how to work with leather and make cool stuff. Uh, we had seen examples of that in Asheville, which is where we went to college. And it was definitely an interest, uh, more with basic cutting things out, riveting, um, more rudimentary style leather work, but I never did it. So it's, it is a, uh, in a roundabout way, something I had thought about, but not to this level. Wow. So let's take a step back. So tell me where you were born. Tell me sort of like your, your, your upbringing. Like I know we kind of touched on like the leather craft, but did you do any other types of craft growing up? Definitely. I'm uh, very artistic. Um, I grew up in Rhode Island. Um, American Italian. My whole family is in Rhode Island. Um, really loud, excited, uh, busy life. And my mom is really creative. She has reupholstered furniture, just made up, made it up. She just did it. Um, she's a an unstoppable woman. And I think that's part of where I get a lot of my talent from is her. So her and my aunt sewed all the curtains in the house, all the valances, everything. Um, every year for Halloween, she would ask us, my sister and I, what we wanted to be, and she would make our Halloween costumes. And so I love Halloween. And uh, thank you, mom. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and Halloween's coming up. What are you going to be for Halloween? Uh, so last night I started gluing googly eyes on some pom-poms and uh, put those on pipe cleaners and on, on a headband. So I think I'm going to be the great googly moogly. Ooh. I'm not exactly sure how that's going to look in the final form, but just really googly and silly. I love it. That's yeah. amazing. I can't wait to see the final costume, the final product. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> so you grew up in Rhode Island. How did you get to Maine? In a very roundabout way. Okay. So I went to school in Asheville, North Carolina. I went to a college called Warren Wilson College, uh, which is a liberal arts work college. So similar, if anyone knows about um, College of the Atlantic up here in Maine, you work on top of your academics. And that is Warren Wilson. So I worked 15 hours a week. And it's there that I really learned about community living, how to be a good person, how to work hard. And from that college, I met two of my best friends. One was from Maine and one was from New Jersey. Post-college, I did a lot of traveling. I lived in Austin, Texas. I lived in New York City. And the whole time talking to my girlfriends on the phone saying, we're going to live together again. And one day uh, we did. We broke up with our boyfriends. We moved up to Maine and moved in together. And that's how I came to be here. I never thought I'd be in the Northeast after college, but it's been great. I've been here for seven years and the community in Maine has been unbelievable. Just I've, I've come to be a part of a lot of communities. That's great. And okay, so then let's shift up. So now you're here. You've been doing this business for how long? I've been doing this, I will say for two years, but really the first year was uh, a lot of experimental trying things out. I started working with my friend, J.M. Siren. The two of us started in 2019, technically. And then it was in 2020 that we released our uh, collaborative website. And in 2020, 2021, I found my own artist name and my voice, um, which is Nicole. That's my artist name. It's spelled G-N-Y-K-O-L. Uh, but yeah, that's who I am. How did you guys meet and how did you guys come up with the idea of really representing both of your brands under this umbrella of sorts? So JM and I met, actually, him and his partner, Bonnie, approached me in a restaurant I worked at way back in the day when I first moved to Maine and asked me to model for them. And it was for JM's first wearable art project. Um, Bonnie and JM are clay polymer artists, 
And JM went on out on his own to do this wearable project. So I modeled. I hate modeling. And I found that out pretty quickly. Uh, but it was great to work with them. Our friendship stayed intact. And it was over the years we stayed in touch and led to the driveway question of, do you want to sew leather jackets? So JM had been working with leather and caught me up to speed. When we started working together, he brought me up to everything that he knew. And from there, we we learned a lot together. Into that process, I'd say um, maybe six months in, JM helped tool me up. He's, he gave me the means to have my own studio space, help me get a work table, encouraged me to get the materials and tools that I needed, including sewing machine. We spent some of our COVID money buying sewing machines together, which was really fun <laughs> um, and fascinating. And... Yeah, six months in, I started to have my own space and my own tools. And that's when I started to branch out and start make my own thing. So JM was really focused on his jackets and has been continuing on the, the jacket path, whereas I took off and started making bustiers. And from bustiers, that led me to tops and eventually vests and then eventually to my version of jackets. So we make very different items. From the beginning, we decided to start a collective. Um, our collective is called True Self Couture. It's an artwear collective. And Jam's partner, Bonnie Bischoff, is also a member of this collective. So it's not just leather art, it's wearable art. And the idea is that it's everyday artwear. It's pieces of art fashion that you can wear every single day, no matter where you're going, what you're doing. It's expressive, it's inspiring, it's one of a kind, and it's to empower the wearer and just inspire the people around you. Yeah, it sounds like each of the pieces tells a very unique story as well. I mean, I was just in the studio with you and looking through all of the pieces that you've crafted. And it just seems like the process of how you make it, it's a a storyline. It really is. And how you put that together. Can you walk us through your process? Maybe with one piece, maybe it's, um, you know, a day in the life of you, because I I know you do every piece very different and uniquely, right? Um, So I would just like to pick your brain about your process. Yeah, the, let's. Uh, I'm not going to give you a day in my life. That might be a little dull, but uh, <laughs> no, it won't. <laughs> process. So let's say I'm making a bustier or a vest. I mean, different designs and different sizes. The panels, because if you if you look at a piece of clothing, you know each each piece of clothing has different panels. A pair of pants has a front, a back, and then etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Same with shirts. So. Different size panels, different number of panels, but I start with looking at the leather that I have. So maybe I know that I have this incredibly gorgeous um, shiny white leather, which you saw me cutting today, along with a shiny blue. And so I say, "Ah, I want to work with these two pieces. Well, I pull out all of that leather and I have sourced leather from a few different places. So some pieces like you saw today, those are scraps, like literal cutoffs, smaller pieces. And then I have larger half hides, whole hides, and those are rejected hides. So I first start to see how much I have. What do I have to work with? What scraps do I have to work with? What are their sizes? And then I start laying them out with the pattern that I have. So if I'm making a small bustier, laying out that pattern and laying the leather over it, using the organic edges, those raw edges, the edges of the hide, those are the scrap pieces that most people don't want to use. I use those to inspire the compositions that I make. So for example, on the back of a bustier, you might see that this really uh, wild, natural line. And that might be how I start the piece, is using this scrap to say, okay, this is how the line is going to go, and then adding pieces to it. Do I have enough leather to make a full panel without any of those wild edges on it? 
Um, so that's my design process. And once I have it more or less laid out, then I start cutting. And from the cutting, then it just kind of goes from there. Then it's more standard. So I have all my pattern and panels and sewing, putting it all together. And then the design takes to the next shape in the form of studding. If I'm going to use studs, I get to go through my very exciting collection of studs, spikes, rivets, all these fun pieces that I've collected over time and add to my work. Um, and then the finished details, lining. Wow. Yeah. All that. <laughs> so much. And how do you acquire all of this material? I mean, I can only imagine. I mean, I know there's a lot of um, leather, you know, companies and mills in Maine, and I, and but I didn't know exactly where, where you get yours from. There have been a few different sources. Uh, one source was from uh, a bag company. I haven't been able to get scraps from them in a long time, but when you know, a few years ago, when I first started collecting scraps, I did stockpile quite a bit. So I have a lot of folders of colored leather scraps that I'm still pulling from. Some of the bigger pieces, there is another source. It's a co-op where you can buy leather. Um, I believe there are over 50 members that add to this co-op. So everything from Nike um, to some bag companies in town uh, wow. that add to this. So I've gotten beautiful leather. One of the most uh, impressive things I got was this gorgeous felted leather. It's a red orange. It kind of looks like someone spilled tomato soup. That's the color range. Wow. Every piece looks tie-dyed and it's from Pakistan. Oh my gosh. And someone rode it around with a bicycle and sold it that way. And how it ended up here, I have no idea, but it's amazing to have. And it's, it's amazing to have some of those stories to go along with it. Right. Uh, one of my favorite, this is a funny one, I think. One of the best stories is uh, this gorgeous goat leather. It was like pebbled. It has this beautiful shine to it. I made a gorgeous crop jacket. I didn't even get to take photos of it before it sold. And it was a rejected hide from a factory that only made leather for one item. And that item were yarmulkes. Whoa. So this, there were these tiny pock marks and the leather and yeah. the hides were rejected because they weren't good enough to make yarmulkes. Um, oh but I made a banging jacket out of it. Yeah, I want to see this. That's yeah. amazing. See, <laughs> like I said, each piece has a story. Now, folks that come to you, because it seems like you do a lot of custom pieces, mainly, yes. right? Um, who are these types of individuals that are coming to you? Like, are they, um, you know, utilizing it for their work? Are they just using, you know, wearing it for a casual day? Like, I'm just curious of what your clientele is. I have a great mix of clients and I'm actually, I was incredibly surprised to get some of the clients that I have. One of the main focuses of my work is to make couture pieces, is to make two orders. So that way, no matter what your size and shape is, no matter what your intention is, I make for you. So you're not just buying something that, you know, is a medium, you are a medium, it's a little loose here, it doesn't quite fit there. And it's just, I want to make you feel like a rock star. So I've had... Of course, I have had some. I have some fantastic friends that have supported me, uh, and some of my friends are cool. They dress really wildly and and they go out. Whether it's uh, one friend just wore one of my bustiers that I made for her, which is covered in these dragon talon spikes. She wore it to her brother's wedding over a ball gown, and wow. she looks killer. I have performers that have ordered my work. Everything from musicians to drag performers. I had a commission from a lady, um, a mature woman over 60, and she just fell in love with the jacket I had down in the markings gallery here in Bath. And I was so flattered that she wanted one of my jackets because it was not the age demographic that I thought would be interested in my jacket. But lo and behold, she was. Um, so really excited to have her support. 
Wow. That's amazing. It just stems from all age ranges and different, you know, interests, what you've built. It's truly amazing. You know, just from my personal story and why I'm a client of yours is, um, in high school, um, I was like punk rocker, goth girl. And, and a lot of people are like, what really? Cause when you see me now, you do not, yeah, you, you probably don't picture it, but, um, I loved going to an antique mall in Ellicott City in Maryland where I grew up and there was tons of bustiers there. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to like wear this. I'm going to put like a suit jacket over it and it's going to be great. And I felt like, um, even though some kids at school would make fun of me for it because they were like, Oh, you know, why would you wear that? And I'm like, well, you know what? That's me. And that's like my identity. Um, so I can see why people gravitate towards your products because it, it fulfills their identity for sure. And it, it brings back good memories to me. Cause I'm like, I can totally still wing this, even though I'm a mom of two and like, I may not be a rock star per se, but I'm still yeah, going to wear are. it. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing is that I think a lot of people have the perception that oh, that's so rock and roll. I can't do it. Why not? Why can't you do it? Right. If you see something that you love, if you find that, uh, there, here it is, this amazing yellow leather. I love this. It's amazing. It's it's covered in spikes. I'm not brave enough to wear it. Well, why not? Why aren't you brave enough to wear it? Right. I live here in uh, Maine where the fashion is arguably pretty safe. There's not a lot of risks being taken if versus if you go to New York City, if you go to Miami, if you go across the ocean to another country. So why should I be limited by the place that I live in just because I want to fit in and because I don't want people to look at me? And that's not quite right in my mind. I want everyone to feel like a superstar and feel powerful. And it's not just about drawing attention to yourself, but feeling that your inner power is expressed outwardly. And that's where my vests or my jackets or my bustiers or any of my pieces, really, I want it to help people express themselves. Right. Yeah. I mean... I have to agree with that one. And also what I love about your style, I mean, would you agree that the style is definitely more towards like the kind of like rock, like, you know, rugged type of like theme or what would you call your style? My style? Um, I definitely think rock and roll. I mean, I love spikes and studs. Um, I love asymmetry. I love texture and form. So yeah, it's it's definitely... Definitely more rock and roll. I guess that's the best way to say it. Yeah, I would say that. It's a good definition for it, for sure. And so I know why. So why the bustiers? I'm so curious because I find that just so unique. I mean, the crop jackets and everything like that, killer and awesome. And I feel like that's so anybody could wear that. But I was that a big risk going into that, the bustiers that you think like going into it? Yeah, that was a choice. Um, So that kind of just happened. I I had a friend who was uh, moving and she got rid of this old, terribly crappy bustier that was Velcro and just from a cheap store. And I I took it because it was red and I was attracted to the color. And I looked at it and I said, hmm, okay. Um, And so I came up with my own design. And honestly, it was born from the fact that I had these scraps of leather. I have really small scraps that I try to utilize. And that's why I started to make the bustier. I thought it was an interesting piece. And I had the pieces to use to construct it. I'm not interested in having a bustier to um, hike my tits up. Like that's not why I have it. It's more about how else can you wear it? So a lot of people, when I say bustiers, they go, oh, and they raise their eyebrows and (laughs) make that face. And I think they think exactly what I just said. It's it's a sexualized um, piece of clothing. And really it's not. So Kristen, you wore a great rock and 
outfit <laughs> to the ghost concert where you had that great fun rock and roll t-shirt and the bustier over it. And some of my favorite looks that my models have brought to photo shoots and real life is a really casual look with the bustier paired over it. I mean, you can think about a classic white button up shirt with a bustier over it and how that's, um, that's a more common thing that we've seen in media and across fashion, world fashion for a little while here. It's like, a good look. So yeah, yeah I, I, I like it. I like mixing it up. So it's not just, it doesn't just fit in one category. I do have an idea um, one day to have a question like, where do you keep your bustier? Right. Is it in with your lingerie? Is it in with your belts? Is it in with yeah. your outerwear? Like, how do you wear it? I love that. I will definitely help with that for sure. Because <laughs> I feel like there's so many ways of wearing your piece. And so what's next? Like I know uh, you, I know you do a lot of custom pieces, but there are there any projects in the works that you're wanting to shout out to the world that you have coming up? Hmm. <laughs> you have a little insider <laughs> info here. So I, I am working on a collection right now. I'm working on a denim jacket collection and I have, um, I'm not even going to tell you when I plan to release this, but what's amazing about this collection is that I'm collaborating with two different artists and I'm just really excited to be working with them and building up this this new collection. I don't know. Hopefully you can edit that part out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, gosh, I already got a sneak peek and it looks amazing. So I cannot wait. I'm definitely going to order one. Um, and then, you know, I know when we were at the main mineral and gem museum, it seemed as though you had such a great community, a great community of friends that support you. And I also got to meet a lovely gentleman who's doing this awesome documentary too about community and that you're friends with as well. And I wanted to ask, has being in Maine, or actually one question is why Maine? Like why stay here? But then also it's like, let's talk about that community aspect of it. Is it community important to you? And how have you built this community? Mm -hmm. Community is incredibly important to me. Uh, Something I learned after college, after being, growing up in an Italian family, I had seven people in my household um, growing up. So that was my mom and dad's sister, my grandparents and my great granddad. And so there was a constant community going off to college. There was a community there. And I lived on campus for four years, worked and lived with my community. Um, and after that, when I traveled and I was living solo and living with a single partner, um, I realized what I was missing in life was community. I'm someone that needs to be a part of a tribe that feels really good and really important to me to support each other and feel supported. Hmm. Moving to Maine, I never thought that I would find all the communities that I did here. I'm involved in a yoga community. I'm involved in different communities in different towns through my work in restaurants. And these are not just casual, oh, hey, how you doing? I mean, I definitely have those acquaintances, but these are people that care. They really do. We care about each other. We care about what's going on and we can support each other through the various roles that we play. So I found those and I found an amazing art community here too. My friends are a part of that. My friends are all artists of one kind or another. I have a handful of friends who are very talented musicians, uh, one who is a music producer and a designer. I have friends that are metalsmiths, that are illustrators, and it just goes on and on. And we support each other's work. So we show up to each other's shows when we can. We are supporting each other through, you know, wrapping our clothes, um, listening to each other's music, uh, it, you know, the, the various ways that you can support one another. Jake, my friend, is doing the documentary on this community in particular. So he didn't pick us out and say, hey, I see you guys are doing this. But he started interviewing my friend Allison and following her around when she was shooting her first music video. So he had this whole behind the scenes thing going on. 
And his greater plan was to do this documentary on how artists support each other. And so that's what it turned into very quickly because we all showed up for one of her video shoots. And um, yeah, it became evident that we're all here for each other. So Allison, I, we were at her video shoot. Allison was the model, one of my models on the big reveal runway at the Maine Mineral Museum show at Sunday River. And my friend Ariel was in the, sh- in the audience. She was also at the, um, the, fo- the video for Allison. You know, so it's all, it's all connected. And Jake saw that right away. I was like, oh my gosh, it's, this is what I was talking about. This was my idea. And you guys are living it. You're doing it. Wow. It's truly amazing. I, I, when you told me about that, because I totally agree, because when I first started this podcast, there is a whole community of makers out there and it can be very broad. And a lot of people think of makers, like it has to be a tangible product, but sometimes when you think of a maker, it could be a maker of experience or just creative, like, you know, musicians, stuff like that, photographers, videographers. Mm. And, you know, I really enjoy hearing that he is capturing that in your world and your element. And, it's amazing to hear how community has brought your pretty much your business to life. I mean, if it wasn't for your friend being like, "Hey, let's sew leather jackets together," like, oh yeah, that you this probably wouldn't exist. I mean, what are your goals? You know, in the future, what else do you want to do with this? <laughs> I like to make the joke that I'm not independently wealthy yet. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest. If this, if if what I'm doing doesn't succeed as a business, then that's fine. And if it does, well, that's fine too. I'm really enjoying the process. I'm enjoying learning everything about what I'm doing as far as the craft and what I'm doing as far as actually making this a business and all the people I'm meeting in between. My goals are, geez, just keep going. I want to keep developing patterns. I want to keep connecting with more people. I want to work with more performers to get my art on stage more to support them as they support me and just showcase something really cool. Uh, I have a lot of really fun ideas. Um, I have some superstars in mind that I'd love to make jackets for. So we'll Ooh. see if that ever turns out. Like who? Oh, definitely Lady Gaga. I mean, oh, I have a, this yes. fabulous pink leather and a ton of gold hardware. And um, mm. I'm thinking that jacket will probably be for me. But if she wants it, I, I'd definitely let her use it. Oh, I'm sure she would. <laughs> that sounds fabulous. We'll see. Um, but, you know, there, there are a lot of incredibly talented musicians and performers that are, are not even at the superstar level that I would love to outfit. And that's throughout Maine and beyond. Um, yeah, those are the goals I can think of off the top of my head. Those are good goals. Thank it you. sounds like you have so much success thus far. And I wish you even the more success, you know, in the next five, 10 years, because I'm, sh- I know Lady Gaga is going to wear one of your pieces. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get you, maybe she'll listen to the podcast and find out. <laughs> hey, that'd be cool. She's got some amazing things going on herself, supporting communities and um, advocating for people. And, and that's something that I'm really trying to do too. So my goal, I think at the end of the day, if I can inspire someone, if I can lift their spirits and open them up to something they never thought they would do. If they can put on a piece that's loud as hell and say, I love this. And I don't care if I'm just going into the supermarket. I feel so good wearing this. Just bringing out that confidence and light. If I can do that for someone, then I've won. Well, you did that with me. So I'm very happy that I met you. And I'm so honored to be wearing one of your awesome bustiers. And I cannot wait to wear it to my event in the next couple of weeks. So Nicole, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Again, um, And I look forward to seeing more things come out of your brand. Thank you, Kristen. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Makers of the USA main series. And thank you to Nicole for being on the podcast. If you'd like to learn more about her craft and to view her beautiful work, I will link her website and social media handles in the notes section of the podcast. Also, please follow the Makers of the USA on Instagram and Facebook if you'd like to see visuals of these wonderful makers that are part of this series. If you have enjoyed this podcast series thus far, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Facebook. Thank you all again and stay safe and healthy.